Welcome to Stony Brook Church. We are so glad that you are here and have chosen to worship with us today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher for the day, Pastor Mary Jo Yakel. We continue to hold Pastor Bob Thomas in our prayers, our pastor emeritus, as he enjoys a month away of well-deserved time off. Our, to, our online host today is Ben Lilly, our Director of Youth Ministries. So as you are worshiping on Facebook or YouTube, uh, you will see him there. You can interact with him. And if you have questions or comments, feel free to just drop those in and Ben will be sure to respond to you. We'd also love to know who is worshiping with us today. If you can take a moment to fill out our online connection card, we would appreciate it. You will find the link, whether you are on YouTube or on Facebook, you'll find a link. Just click on connection card and it will take you directly to our online connection card for you to fill fill that out let us know who's worshiping with us it is also a place where if you have prayer concerns that you would like to share with your church or the church staff or the pastoral team you can do so in that place as well Friends, Lent is upon us. It is hard to believe that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We will be worshiping uh, together online, and so you are invited to join us for our live-streamed worship service that will begin at 7 p.m. this Wednesday, February 17th. And also be on the lookout for some mail from Stony Brook Church that uh, deals with all things Lent-related. You will find an envelope filled with ways to engage in your own discipleship practice for all ages of your family. Uh, there will be some guided scripture reading and an invitation into our Lenten Bible study. Uh, next week, we will begin a preaching series on uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, this beloved community of Paul's uh, that he writes to in this letter that is some co sometimes called the joy letter. And so we're going to focus our, our Lenten season in this book. And you are invited to join in on a Bible study. If you aren't already a part of a life group, the pastors will be leading four different sections uh, as we journey together through the book of Philippians. Uh, today is uh, the last day to sign up, so if you haven't already done so, uh, you can go online and sign up. Ben is going to put a link in the comments. You can simply click on that and it'll take you to the sign up. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me. At this time, I invite you to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude prepares us for worship.
Paul? Could we leave that stand there, Paul? Good morning. One of the joyous things about being in connectional ministry, which is a word that United Methodists delight in and work with, is how it is that we are connected with many, many folk. All over the United States and maybe even all over the world, this is a Sunday that not only marks the transfiguration of our Lord, but it also celebrates the ministry of scouting. We are always grateful to remember that this is a great and good gift, and I must confess I smiled back in August when I was looking through everything, figuring out what was here, and coming across this stole left by Pastor Lou, for it was presented while she was here, and I went, I think I know what Sunday I'll be wearing that in. This is the way in which we stay connected through time and thus testify to the eternity of God. Our celebration of Scout Sunday takes on a special uh, reality as the Scouts have made a video for you to celebrate some of the ways in which no matter what, they are alive. Let's see that video. one of the greatest gifts we have 
is to pray with and for each other. Let us unite our souls together and hear these words gifted to us in the book of worship about the ministry of scouting. Oh God, your will is that all your children should grow into fullness of life. We lift to you the ministry of scouting. We offer our thanks for camping to teach us that the world is our great home for study and work, to build character, for service to see our responsibility to those in need, for encouragement in genuine patriotism and vital faith. Bless the work of scouting in this place and around the world that through its efforts, the young may, like our Lord, increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and all people. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Verses 2 through 9, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. 
Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? We are thankful, O God, to be able to see ourselves in the scriptural stories. It shows us that we are just as normal and just as strange as every human you've ever created. Peter is such a relatable person. We understand the impulse to try to change or fix or do something when faced with the surreal, rather than just sitting with the experience and letting it transform us. We so often rush to quick solutions, easy fixes, and superficial ways of doing things. We can't fix this pandemic, and we can't fix one another's pain. And our country continues to hurt, oh God, we've got a mess on our hands. We want a quick fix. Our families hurt with the pressures of the pandemic. The stresses on all of us are incredible. Oftentimes, our bodies take the brunt of this stress. And so we pray for all of those whose bodies are experiencing pain, pain from illness, pain from abuse, pain from lack of care. We pray for those whose bodies will be facing a cold snowstorm over the next few days, those without homes, those with unsafe homes, those who lack food, clean water, and protection. Like Peter, we want to build dwellings to keep all safe and dry and warm. Protect them as we look to you to see how we can help. You call us to slow down, to look for you, to listen, to receive, to be transformed. The change we want to see doesn't happen quickly, and it surely doesn't happen without you. You are our guide. You offer us a new way. Your love shines in new and mysterious ways. Slow us down, O oh God, so that we don't miss out on it. We want to experience your glory, your shimmering beauty standing right in front of us. We pray all of this in the name of the one whose brilliance is overwhelmingly beautiful. And we now join our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught us by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
It is always a privilege to gather as the people of God and to work on the way in which the Scripture helps us center in. And are we good? Could we do it? Three minutes. Very good. Um, we're working on some logistics, and that's always the situation with live uh, experiences. Um, back in the days when I was in the theater, we were doing an incredibly complex piece of drama. There were over 300 cues, and my job was to make sure it all happened at the right time. The very first night out, I blew it. And at the end of that evening, the director of the drama came to me and said, look, if I want to do work where nothing ever goes wrong, I'm going to have to give up working with people. And I went, amen, you're working with one. So we do have a special gift that we're working on to make sure it happens today. But I have a feeling you'd be willing to travel with me into the scriptures. And then at the conclusion of the sermon, we have a video for you. Friends, would you join me in prayer as we claim the transfiguration of our Lord, as we claim the power of scouting, as we claim the privilege of being the people of God on this day? Let us pray. And now, Almighty God, either through or in spite of this, thy servant, speak to these, your beloved ones, who have experienced you, and to choose to say yes to your invitation every day of their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and together we say, amen. I have and always will be a Peter fan because Peter and I have some common denominators. Impulsive, really big-hearted, and some days just plain stupid. Now, you need to remember that just before the scripture that Pastor Jennifer read to us, there is a piece in the Gospel of Mark where Peter says to Jesus questions, you are the Lord. And then when Jesus tells his disciples what it is that's about to unfold, Peter grabs hold of Jesus and says, you're wrong. And gets emphatic about it. <laughs> In that wonderful moment where Jesus says, Peter, you need to follow me a little bit more to get the right idea. You're not in charge. This is my work to do. You will testify to it. And then we come to this piece of scripture where we have Peter, James, and John, that amazing quartet that gathers a remarkable number of times, and they do some intimate work up on a mountaintop. They do transformational work. I have always thought this would have been a really cool moment to be with Jesus, to be able to have this intentional focus. 
And I know that I would have been like Peter and said, oh, this is mind-blowing. Let's nail this thing down. Let's build a dwelling. Let's do a tabernacle. Let's get a shelter so that we know it was real after we have a tendency to forget. If you've had some fun and read the devotion from Thursday, you know that camping is a part of my blood. But it was upon reading about the prayer shawls that many devout Jewish brothers wear that I became aware of how powerful the image of the tent is. The idea is that any place you happen to be can be a dwelling, a shelter, a tabernacle of prayer. If you take your prayer shawl and place it over your head and hold the strings out like the tent strings, you immediately have a dwelling place for your prayers, for the focus of time with God, for the intentional reconfiguration of the reality of the day. You can travel with this tent. It will go with you wherever you are. And I remind you of the hospitality factor of the strings of a tent for the day in which we were more nomadic than ever before. If I could get to your strings of your tent, you would provide me with hospitality, shelter, food, and safety for three days. This idea of a tent just weaves its way in and out of our faith history. And here it is. This is Nate's tent. Nate let me borrow his tent. Nate got really concerned that all I wanted was the tent because he wanted to put a sleeping bag inside and then he wanted to make sure I could build a fire to stay warm. Nate understood intuitively that even in this kind of temporary protection of a pup tent, there's a desire to provide hospitality, that in this safety, not only prayer, not only marking a blessing, but truly a gift of God's presence. We can do this. And let me tell you, if there's one thing that COVID is teaching us every day, learning to do what we can do in this real time is primary to our lives. The other thing I love about this scripture is that it's on a mountaintop. I am a particularly mountain girl. If I need a reality check, if I need some spiritual nourishment, if I can get me to a mountain, man, in Ohio, I'll even do with a hill. <laughs> Just get me up a little bit. 
Just let me see things from a different perspective. It recalls one of my most favorite vacations where I took Amtrak out to Glacier National Park where a beloved friend of mine had her residence for the summer and she put me up for a week. The only thing I had to do was drive her to work and pick her up and make dinner. Pretty good. In the just right outside uh, Glacier National Park, it just blew my socks off because in the middle of Glacier National Park, if you get to the right place at the right kind of position, there is this place called the Continental Divide. I didn't know what that was. I learned this way. At the Continental Divide, if you are a raindrop, and you move and drop down to the ground at this point, you're going to head down to the Gulf of Mexico. That's kind of a cool journey. But if you just move a hair's breadth away, you will drop to the ground and head to the Pacific Coast and fall into the Pacific Ocean. Well, that's a cool journey. I'm up for that. That sounds great. But wait a minute. If you shift ever so slightly, you can end up in the Atlantic Ocean, in this one spot, in this one place called the Continental Divide. The consequence of an inch radically alters your life. Now, folk, I don't know where you are in your life's journey, but to me that preaches. Where you choose to be makes a difference. And showing up fully in the reality of this particular time in the ways that we can is really hard to struggle with, and yet we will do that work. If anything, the, the transfiguration of our Lord helps us sit with the fact that when Peter wanted to nail things down and do something about it, Jesus didn't even answer him. Have you, have you ever been in one of those moments? You just really want to get an answer and so you even go to the right people and you make your question very specific and you drive it home and nothing comes back to you. Folk, there are times in our faith history, there are times in our personal life where there isn't a response because it isn't the right time and now isn't the moment. All things belong to God, and we do that. Let's go back to the mountain idea. Will you with me for a moment? I'm standing here in the middle of the chancel. Folk, don't ever call this a stage in front of me. This is not a performance. This is not something to entertain you and send you on your way. This is a focus of paying attention to God as revealed through Jesus Christ and the invitation of the Spirit calling us forward. In the middle of this area, we are as high and as lifted up as we can be. And it is on the mountaintop that we pay 
uh, pay special attention to be high and lifted up so that we can, in our heart of hearts, be as close to God as we can be. And it is here on the mountaintops that we have transfigurational moments. If I officiate at your wedding, you will see that the bride and the groom stand on the highest level, make their promises to each other, and are blessed in their covenant of marriage in the highest spot possible. But that's not the end of a story, because at the very end of the worship service of the marriage covenant, down on the working floor, down where the daily hubbub of life happens on a regular basis, where we attend to our faith, where we encourage the people of God, where we do the daily hard drudgery, the real work down on that floor, in the midst of the laity, in the midst of the work, the bride and the groom are transformed into the couple of marriage and are announced as such. Mountaintops are wonderful moments. There are times where I feel like sometimes I just want to go and stay on the mountaintop, watch the transfiguration, experience these high and holy moments, and yet you and I know that what is real comes out of us when we journey to the working floor and live it day by day. The experience of living every day is so significant. To embrace what God has given us, to live fully into the tools that have been made available to us in a particular time on a particular day is the difference between just existing and living with faith. David Kay was a part of the community of faith. David was ever faithful, and at any time the church was open, David was there. He had certain skills. He also had the need to make the world revolve around him. And there was always a part of me that said, just like you, Mary Jo. David was a part of a community in that church called Special Ministries. The world would have defined him as MRDD, or in our contemporary letters, developmentally disabled, DD. David's faithfulness was something that everybody really appreciated. So when nominations met, it was decided that David should join a committee. And we understood that that would mean that David would not always understand what was going on, but David would always be there and remind us. David joined the finance committee, and everybody went, well, that makes no sense at all. Until one day, the finance committee was meeting and struggling with a budget that would not balance. And David suddenly said, stop. 
<laughs> and we did. And David said, I'm going to pray. And he did. And you could ever so subtly feel the shift of the spirit amongst us as we went from trying to figure out the way to fix things to trying to figure out how to live faithfully in the midst of a financial crisis. And David said, stop. I'm going to pray. For, you see, David understood and had claimed into his inner soul that what may be so obvious to everybody else was not obvious to him. But what was obvious to David was that we needed to pray. So as we continue our journey of faith throughout this very real time, may we remember the way in which the tent can travel with us and we can be the people of prayer in this day. Amen? Friends, we would like to invite you to seriously consider joining in the study of the letter to the Philippians. In fact, the book that, was, that we will be using, written by N.T. Wright, um, is, has been contacted, and we have a message for you. Hello, this is Tom Wright from Oxford in England with a message for the good people from Stony Brook Church in Ohio. I gather that this Lent you're planning on studying Paul's letter to the Philippians and I'm told that you're going to be using some of my own material in doing that study. I'm naturally delighted and I hope and pray that it goes really, really well. I've actually been doing quite a bit of work on Philippians myself recently for a larger project that I've been wanting to get back to for a long time. And as I've done that, it strikes me more and more that Philippians is all about the public life of the people of God. Yes, there's the private intimate life of their communion with Jesus and their fellowship with one another. But what Paul is really concerned about, as he says in the introduction to the great central section of the first two chapters, chapter 1, verse 27, is that your public life should match up to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he spells that out, he has a, a wonderfully shaped passage from 127 through to 218, which is focused on that extraordinary poem about Jesus in chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. And what he's saying before that is that you must be united. And he's appealing for a rich kind of unity, which goes far beyond the casual unity that we often know in the Western churches. And then from chapter 2, verse 12, he's talking about holiness, unity and holiness, which are very difficult in themselves and even harder when you put them together. The only way for a church to be like that in front of the watching world is if it's focused totally on Jesus and that story which Paul tells of how Jesus went to the cross, even the death of the cross, he says in chapter 2, verse 8. And then the rest of the letter unfolds from there. I think this is a word for our time. The watching world looks on at the church and says, what are these people all about? 
but if they were to see even a glimpse of the public life being shaped by the gospel of Jesus, Israel's Messiah, and the true Lord of the world, then they might perhaps want to think again. That's my hope and prayer for you and for anyone who studies this vital letter at this remarkable time. God be with you, and I hope you really enjoy it. Bye-bye. Transfiguration. Take us, Lord. Transform our hearts and take us into your future that others may see the brightness of joy shine through us. Amen. Let us join together in our traditional benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness protect you through the storm. 
May he bring you home rejoicing, rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.